We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another Bring the Juice video. Guys, you see it by the end of the video title here. The Indianapolis Colts, after being down 23 to nothing against the Los Angeles Rams, came all the way back and had a chance to win it in overtime for the second straight week, but were just unable to bring it home. The Colts lose by a final score of 29 to 23. Glad to have with me Drake Wally, our guy from the Horseshoe Huddle. Drake, you are muted. Just letting you know that right off the top. But uh, how you doing, man? How you feeling? I'm feeling, you know, I, I, I know that the Colts lost the game. I know that they had an absolutely horrendous start to the first half. But, I mean, the fact that they fought back and, and took this game to overtime yet again for two straight weeks, uh, they came up on the short end. But uh, two things. First off, Puka Nakua looks like he might be actually a ridiculous talent in the NFL. Yeah. But two, the guile, the 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 grit, and just the the – the the no the no give up attitude of the Indianapolis Colts team really made me happy and at the end of the day and I want to remind people of this Derek the Colts are in a no expectations NFL season okay so like the team's expected to win five six games if they go out there and win eight or nine or even seven it's it's a good year so I know people were really upset with how they started this game but Richardson's so inexperienced I mean it's such they're the third youngest team in the NFL by average age I think they're like twenty five on average age so. Um, give them time. The fact that they almost came back and won this game, though, against a veteran quarterback like Matt Stafford, who can carve up any experienced NFL secondary, that gives you reason to be happy. So uh, I think you should walk away if you're a Colts fan from this loss with high hopes for the team for the for the long term, honestly. Yeah, I mean, it, it is hard to sit here and say that after a loss like this. And it makes Fair. it all the worse that not only did they, I mean, they almost did get blown out, which kind of a lot of people would say, no, that's not good at all. But then, you know, to make all the way back and, you know, still lose it is also really rough. But I think Drake, me personally, I think this loss is so much better because when you get blown out, like what they were in the first half, 
at that moment, you're just sitting there saying to yourself, okay, so we all suck. Like what, what happened here? That, that to me is less of, okay, so we came all the way back. We were just this close. Now let's dial into what we know we can come back and compete with anyone and still be down by double digits and come back and win in, in style. Let's figure out where we messed up. Can we, we, we take the positive, but let's now focus on the negative. It gives the guys more of a direction, I think, rather than saying, oh, well, we all sucked, you know, let's just, and let's just chalk this one down on the, on the lost column. Like that, that felt to me like a different attitude, but yeah, like you said, this team's so young. It's so, it's so different. Steichen first year uh, coaching the team is com- almost completely new. So many young guys in different positions that it just doesn't matter, you know? So it's, we're going to have to move on from that, but let's just go ahead and hop into it, man. We're going to try to break all this down. So let's start with Anthony Richardson. I don't remember how he looked through the first, uh, through the first half, but I think he was, I think he finished five of, I think it was 12, Five of 12, five of 14 or something through the first half. It sounds um, about right. Yeah, something close to that. It, it, it was not good. Um, clearly, I think it was a little bit of everything. Um, Richardson was inaccurate. Yes, he missed He missed some throws. And we all can agree and sit there and say that. But then also you look at it from the other perspective. The offensive line was not doing a great job all game of protecting Anthony Richardson. Blake Freeland was getting exposed every other down. Aaron Donald was a menace. It didn't matter who he was lined up on. It could have been Quentin Nelson. It could have been Blake Freeland. It could have been Will Fries. They were all having difficulty keeping Aaron Donald off of Anthony Richardson. And we'll talk about them here shortly. But what you saw in that second half, Drake, after a visibly frustrated Anthony Richardson. We've seen Richardson show his anger and frustration and like at himself multiple times already this year after he misses some throws. But in that first half, he was animated. He was mad at himself for how he was letting that go. And then in that second half, despite still only throwing for about 44% on his throws, you saw him in that late third and early fourth take over the game. I mean, he was everywhere. He was making every throw. He was making it, he was running. He was making throws on the run. He was running the playbook by design. It was an all while be it, he got stepped on by Braden Smith in that first half. I, I said at the end of the game, I don't care how this game ends. Anthony Richardson has that dog in him. He has something in him that you that you love to see as a Colts fan. And I'm just glad that in that second half, he showed what he's capable of doing. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and the thing is, look, he he's still, I believe he's 22 years old. That's such a young age for any NFL quarterback, first off. Second, he's he went 11 for 25, okay? He did cough up a fumble, but he accounted for three touchdowns still. He still accounted for 200 yards on 11 completions. You know what that tells me? That tells me that NFL defenses respect his mobility so much that even when he has 44% completion percentage, he can still average almost 20 yards of completion. Yeah. NFL defenses have no choice but to account for this guy. We saw it with the Texans. They had no clue. No clue what to do with Richardson. If he stays in that whole game, you might be talking about a rookie record for a single-game performance. I mean, he, he had them on their heels in the first quarter. So this is a dude that is the size of Micah Parsons playing quarterback that actually understands the offense that is running around him. Now, the thing is, I even I even posted this out on X, Derek. I said, this. I was waiting for this game from Richardson. It's expected that he's going to have that game where it's the, hey, welcome to the NFL, pal, type of moment. Yeah. And when you're facing Aaron Donald, who we can both agree is going to be an NFL Hall of Famer oh, yeah. when he retires, maybe even first ballot. Oh, yeah, okay? easy. This is the best dude overall defensively as a singular player that the Colts will face probably this entire season. And he gets him in week four. Good for Richardson that he gets this experience this early on. No expectation type of year. It's all about Anthony Richardson's development. It's all about Shane Steichen getting adjusted to being an NFL head coach. So far, all things are pointing up. This was a loss. He only threw 44%. But there were a couple of plays where he should have been sacked. It should have been an incompletion, and he still figured out a way to get a big play out of the pocket. So there's reason to understand that Anthony Richardson played well, and even Zach Moss, who started off terribly, still ended with 70 yards rushing. So this team fought, dude. They fought so hard. They pushed themselves as hard as they could, down 23 points, and almost pulled it off with a very young roster. So there's big silver linings here, in my opinion. I just look at it, and, you know, again – we said it before, Drake. It's it's you have to take it with everything with a grain of salt. This year is the oh, trial yeah. run yes. for Anthony Richardson. It's all about do we see something in him that gives us hope that a few years down the line, when the accuracy gets a little bit better, he doesn't sail as many throws high and learns to get a little touch on his throws every once in a while. You know, does that become better does he know how to read a defense underneath right and we saw so many plays especially in that second half in the first half you saw that throw to josh downs that thing was a thing of beauty in the second half that throw yeah. to Mo'Ally cox 
where he gets his foot stepped on and still sidearms that thing right to Mulally Cox, falling From down. From his hip, man. Looks like Patrick Mahomes out there. And then, of course, like you said, had another touchdown throw. He was he had that throw where Donald was bringing him down and still threw it 35 yards down the field to Alec Pierce, who goes in, up and gets it. And then you get uh you get the rushing touchdown on that drive. And again, we saw his 360 celebration spike that he does every time, which is hilarious. And then, you know, it just was you saw more plays that reminded you why you drafted this guy. There was a lot of bad to go with it, but there was a lot of good to also take away from it. And I think that's what's the most important thing is you're seeing Anthony Richardson, even amidst where everyone would have said the game's over, bro. You don't even need to worry about it anymore. Didn't give up and said, I am going to go out there and compete. And I will be, and I will hate myself if I don't go out there and at least try. And sure enough, it was close enough. Yeah, and the thing is the fact that you're getting this from your rookie quarterback. So so far, out of Will Levis, CJ, Anthony Richardson, and Bryce Young, it has been without question, okay, CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson have emerged as the two best quarterbacks in this draft so, so far. far. Yeah. And and and, and CJ Stroud's going out there with a very an, a very unprepared offensive line and is delivering really efficient performances with his arm, whereas Richardson's doing it with his legs and opening up opportunities for his arm. So that's what he did in the second half. And the thing is, credit to Steichen, because when you're down 23 to nothing, it's really difficult to get your troops invigorated. And here's the thing, Steichen had a fourth down call that really plagued him at the end of the day, because if he lets Matt Gay try to kick that field goal when they're down, I think it was 26 to it was eight. twenty-three to eight, and then if they kicked that eight. field goal, would have been twenty-three eleven, and then some, things might have been different. Things might have been different. Oh, if they score that touchdown, they go up three points. I, I believe it was so they would have been. Uh, it would have been tw- okay. So twenty-five. It would have been up by kicked, two, but at least then, like been up by at the two. end of the game, at least you were with the lead, and with and especially with Stafford in that situation where. He couldn't move. He was barely capable of moving on his own power by the end of that. I, I will talk about that here shortly after that because I hate how Gus Bradley stopped being aggressive in that overtime. But I mean, it's it's it is what it is. At the end of the day, I mean, they you had you had Anthony Richardson out there balling even amidst. And remember that touchdown that he had where he messed up his ankle. Then that two-point conversion had to move around in the pocket and was stumbling on his own foot because of the pain he was probably under and still found a way to get it to Zach Moss for a two-point conversion, which gave you a chance in the end. So it's like, again, people casuals will look at the stat line and say, oh, it wasn't that great. You go back and rewatch that game, Anthony Richardson it was one of the biggest reason why we were even back in that game to begin with. Well, and, and here's the thing is going back to your Gus Bradley comment, it, it, I'll, I'll use a mixed martial arts or boxing reference. When you have your opponent hurt and you crack him with a right hook and he's stumbling, you don't go and let him recover. Okay. Yeah. It's the same principle. It's different because you're talking about like 
lower extremity, which is way more serious when you're in a running sport like football. But Stafford was hobbling. Why wouldn't you kick that field goal? Why wouldn't you say this dude can't make his throws because it was his planting foot? It wasn't his back foot, his right foot. It was his left. Mm -hmm. So he, he couldn't put the force on those throws. Why not kick a field goal? Look, at the end of the day, though, the silver lining from even that, Derek, is that Steichen is wanting to go big. This yeah. is a dude who's not afraid to risk it all to go big. Yes, you didn't is. get that with Reich. If you did get Reich going on fourth down, I don't mean to, to throw all the shade on it's Frank It's okay. Reich, We've been doing that all week, so it's all good. He's struggling. He's struggling as a, as, a, as a rookie quarterback head coach. You would get very predictable play calling. Steichen goes big on those fourth downs. So that's the silver lining. But at the end of the day, Derek, I think it did – could have cost them the win if they would have just trusted Matt Gay. He missed one of them, but I think he probably makes that one, honestly. And you know what? This is just as much a trial run for Shane Steichen as it is for Anthony Richardson. I mean, it, at the end of the day, Steichen is Great learning point. what is what is good for him and what is bad for him. And I'm sure at the end of the year, when the however, whatever the record the Colts are, he goes back and looks at this game and is like, Man, what if I had what if I had kicked that field goal there instead? Uh, what what could have potentially happened? You know, like it, and Steichen seems like a smart enough dude. I think he will. I mean, again, at the end of the day, like you said, it, it is better to have tried and won it all than to have been conservative and not had a chance, especially when you got this young team that's trying and it through all the trial and run, you're figuring out what works. And it was very close. But we'll go ahead and hop into another section here. Um, the rushing attack. Uh, through the first half, it was all Anthony Richardson. Um, Anthony Richardson had all, practically all of the rushing yards. Pretty much had all of the yards when it came to uh, the first half for the Indianapolis Colts. I think Zach Moss had like six carries for like 10 yards in the first half, which makes all which makes his second half so much better. He had... 12 carries for 50 yards or for 60 yards in the second half. So he ran for five yards a carry in the second half. The Colts were finally able to find a way to get Zach Moss and uh, running the football better. Richardson had his moments where, you know, he was able to move the chains because of that. And that's something that, like you said, NFL defenses are going to have to take into account going forward. There wasn't much to talk about when it came to the rushing attack. But we can go ahead and hop into the, the biggest problem, which, again, I said before was the offensive line. Um, first half couldn't generate any movement up front to run the football. Uh, all game, Anthony Richardson felt like up until those like two drives where they or those three drives where they scored touchdowns, Drake, other than that, it just felt like Richardson never had time. It felt like Richardson was always second guessing himself because every other time he was getting pressured and whether it was Aaron Donald or if it was Emory Jones, or if it was uh, the, uh, that Bryce young kid coming off the edge, like there was so many opportunities where he was like, I can't stay in this pocket. I got to move because I just, I don't have a chance to move anywhere because I don't have time to throw the football. If I don't get it out in less than two and a half seconds, I'm getting it. So I know that the Colts were down Bernard Ryman and I know they were down Ryan Kelly. Clearly they were very, very, very missed 
in this game uh, for the Indianapolis Colts. But man, was it rough to you know watch that offensive line today? Well, and I you know like for the past two games, the Houston game and the Baltimore game, Shane Sykin was in the pocket of D'Amico Ryan's, and he was in the pocket of John Harbaugh. I mean, he really had them figured out in this game. The guy that was almost this close, Derek, remember we were doing those episodes where we were talking about Raheem Morris potentially being the Colts head coach. Uh, this is this is a former head coaching candidate that was in the pocket of Shane Steichen today. I mean, Raheem Morris brought the pain in that first half. Yeah. And the thing is, Ernest Jones is the top, I think, because uh, me and Andrew on Horseshoe Huddle had uh, Tom Court from Rams Up. Uh, on Fans First Sports Network, we had him on, and he talked over the top about Ernest Jones. Ernest Jones is the best run defender on the Rams' defense. He is one of the most overlooked guys in the NFL. He had 10 tackles today, four by himself, a tackle for loss, and a sack. This dude was on fire in the first half. So they figured it out kind of in the second half because – Steichen, I do stand by this. He's brilliant. So he is also open to adjusting because he wants to adjust the offense to the strength of his players and the game time type of developments. And he did that in the second half. But in the first half, it was all Raheem Morris. He owned the Colts. And and like you said, Blake Freeland, hey, here's the thing. I did an article on this that Aaron Donald's a defensive tackle, Derek, but he lines up over the tackle more than any other spot on the defensive line. Raheem Morris moves this dude around. Yeah. So as soon as I heard that Blake uh, uh, Bernard Ryman was out and that Blake Freeland was coming in at, at left tackle, I said to myself, you will hear a healthy dosage of Aaron Donald over Blake Freeland. Yeah. And when Aaron Donald lined up over Freeland, overall Freeland didn't do too bad. But when Donald was over the top of him, it was a clear mismatch. Clear. And, and Raheem Morris feasted Every on single that. time Blake Freeland lost that matchup. Every time. And I knew it, it would happen close. too. I, I, I'm surprised yeah. more people didn't realize Aaron Donald is good enough. He can line up anywhere and he will well, line up. He's a Hall of Famer. Defense. I mean, yeah. And he's a Hall of Famer, man. Yeah. So, so it was tough dealing with that all day. I mean, if Bernard Ryman and Ryan Kelly were in there, I'm sure things probably could have looked a little bit different. Than it was. You would have at like, least had more play call changes from yeah. Kelly because Kelly's like the general of the offensive line. So it was different without both Ryman and Kelly. So Donald feasted. Yeah, absolutely. Um, let's talk about the pass catchers real quick before we move to the defense. Uh, Drew Ogletree led the way, three catches, 48 yards, and a touchdown. Congratulations to Drew Ogletree, by the way. First touchdown of his NFL career. Really took over that, what was it, that second drive, that second touchdown drive that they had. He took over that drive, uh, gave the Colts hope. Alec Pierce was the second leading receiver on the day. That 138-yard catch that he had that, you know, pretty much, again, made that third drive possible. Uh, Mo Ali Cox, again, one catch, but it was the one that counted. That's a touchdown for him. So, you know, the tight ends today... Uh, and Kylan Granson had two catches for 24 yards. Another one that really made that third drive possible. So, you know, the tight ends really got involved today. Six catches in total between the three of them for just over 100 yards and two touchdowns between the two of them. So the tight ends really got involved today. And we know how Shane Steichen likes to do that. 
Um, but again, Drake, I'm 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 furious at the wide receiver production we're still getting. Uh, Michael Pittman only one catch on the day for 15 yards. Now I will admit that was not his fault. At least two of the target he had five targets in this game. At least two of them. One Richardson overthrew, and the other one was a clear missed call of a face mask in the red zone, in the end zone, actually, which would have put the Colts at the one-yard line, which would have enabled them to get a touchdown on that drive, which would have put us in a much better position. But clearly, NFL refs do not know what the hell a face mask is. But anyway, we'll move on. Uh, And so, uh, Josh Downs had his two catches. I think he, they were both in the, in the first half. I mean, again, Josh Downs gets involved in the first half, but they never use him in the second half. And I just don't understand it. And then Alec Pierce, again, he only got targeted twice. Um, he got lucky with the fact that the fourth down, uh, drop that he had, or the third down drop that he had. Thankfully, Kylan Granson came through on the next play. But Alec Pierce, of course, made one of the biggest catches of the day. The one time they are able to go deep with him, he finally makes that one catch that they needed. Um, Again, I'm happy, Drake, with the tight end usage, but it just seems like, again, the wide receivers, there just isn't much substance coming out of them right now. Yeah, and the thing is, again, Mike... Michael Pittman Jr. in the first three games, he dominated. I think he had like 20, 25 catches or something. He was averaging about eight a game. Yeah. And so the Rams came prepared to stop Michael Pittman, and they came prepared to pressure AR. And so you see Drew Ogletree, you see Kylan Granson, you see Mo Alley-Cox with six out of 11 completions. And for over 100 out of the 200 passing yards that Anthony Richardson had. So, hey – Props to the Colts tight end group. They stepped up where the wide receivers didn't. But then you start questioning, why are there only four wide receivers on the depth chart? I think Juwan Winfrey was a fifth at some point. But right now you've basically got Michael Pittman Jr. You've got Alec Pierce. You've got uh, Josh Downs. And then you have Isaiah McKenzie, who has struggled uh, so far. So you you question, why is there not a fifth dude in there? Because – it, you've got four tight ends that are viable options at any given on any given down. You have um, currently, without Jelani Woods, by the way, you still have Kylan Granson, Mo Ali Cox, Will Mallory, and Drew Ogletree. What happens when Woods comes back into play? Are you going to bring in another wide receiver to help AR? Um, I, I think that you have to start asking why wasn't Amari Rogers a little more involved? They brought him in earlier in the offseason. So I don't know. I. I I trusted the tight end to wide receiver ratio initially, Derek, but now I'm starting to question because once plays break free, I'm not saying tight ends can't get open, but generally wide receivers have the agility and the suddenness to kind of help a quarterback like IR bail when he's out of the pocket. Yeah. hundred percent. It's just, I I don't know. um, I mean, I just don't know if I can't say that, the Colts don't have a good wide receiver in Michael Pittman because Michael Pittman had three straight his first three games had eight catches in all of them. So he was getting the production that was necessary, but it's just seems strange that it, we just are struggling offensively 
to get any of these receivers involved. Alec Pierce has not caught more than two passes in any game this year. Been rough. Yeah, and Josh Downs, albeit there's been a couple games where he's had multitude of catches. We, we go back to last week where he had eight catches against Baltimore. Yeah, it moved the chains, but it never really like opened up the offense. And, you know, Michael Pittman has had that ability every once in a while. But like you said, they came into this game fully prepared to shut down Michael Pittman because they said if they did that, then the Colts don't have another wide receiver that can go out and do anything. And sure enough, that was the truth. And so it's it it has to be, I think, Drake, it's one of the biggest glaring issues of this team that you need a guy that can take over a football game. You need a true number one guy that says, I can take over any football game I want to. It doesn't matter what defensive package you throw at me. I will be getting my five, six, seven catches a game for a hundred plus yards and a touchdown or two. You will not stop me. We just, I just don't know if we have that right now. Yeah. And you know, I'll, I'll play a devil's advocate here into a rumor. You know, even if you don't have that five, six, seven, eight catches a game guy, if you have that guy that's a consistent threat, if you have that guy that's a consistent threat, that's a big-bodied receiver, they can get down the field and push defensive secondaries to stretch them, and you open up stuff underneath like a guy like Mike Evans, you might be able to put pressure with a guy like Michael Pittman on one side and Mike Evans on another. Look, I know 30 is a dead age for receivers, for fans. Michael Pitt or Michael Pittman, Mike Mike Evans has done nothing but just cons- be consistent since his day one in the NFL. I really think if Mike Evans is unhappy in Tampa, I think that the Colts should make a play for that because Tampa is typically going to try to trade with somebody that might be in an inner conference away from their immediate you know contention to get to the playoffs. I'm going to be that guy that says, look. If you really feel like you can't get pressure on each side, all right, with Pierce and Pittman, Mike Evans is the answer. That's that's the kind of guy that, my God, if you have Michael He's, Pittman Jr. on one side and Mike Evans on the other, Mike Evans can play past his 30s. I think that he might be an anomaly. He's been one of the most consistent guys in the NFL. You just lack that against the Rams. You didn't have both sides pushing the defense down each side. I mean, he's definitely one of them for sure. I mean, well, there's I, multiple. There could be a multitude of different guys that you could trade for or sign uh, in free agency when it comes around, or heck, even when you draft one this year, because we know that there's three or four wide receivers in this draft class that are guaranteed first rounders will be starters come week one in the NFL. I mean, it there's it just it's a position that. The, the Colts can't ignore anymore. Listen, I'm all for uh, Chris Ballard going forward with this group and saying, hey, like, let's, uh, we're still going to try to build around these guys. That's fine if you want to do that for another year or two. That's fine. Just go and get a veteran that you know you can consistently rely upon. Like you said, Mike Evans. So what if you got to pay the guy $20 million for two years? So what? Go do yeah. it. Because then if you have Pittman developing, you want to give him a new contract, and you want to see if Josh Downs in the slot will will benefit from that, Mike Evans opens up so much because 
He is dominant. He can catch anything and everything. Richardson will have that guy. Pittman will find himself open more. No one is going to double team Josh Downs in the middle. And that works exactly how it, it should be. And who knows if they keep Pierce. I don't know. But either way, uh, th- that's a conversation that we'll have another day. But let's go ahead and hop into uh, the defensive side of things. So uh, Zaire Franklin, again, led the team in tackles. Go figure. Uh, 13 tackles. Uh, Juju Brents was tied for second with nine, uh, which is really awesome to see. Uh, Julian Blackman with nine. Dio Adangbo with seven. Kenny Moore with seven. Uh, Two sacks on the day. Dio Adangbo with one and a half. And Zaire Franklin with a half sack. It was the first game where Quiddy Pay was incapable of getting a sack. I think actually, uh, yeah, this is the second fewest amount of sacks that the Indianapolis Colts have had all season uh, since the first week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, I mean, I don't know what to tell you about this one, Drake. I mean, I I don't know because, I mean, obviously the first drive, we had them stopped, then EJ Speed ruined it by extending the drive, and that's how they scored. Second drive, the refs hit Kenny Moore with the stupidest personal foul call I've ever seen in my life, and that should not have been a flag. And it extended the drive once again, put the Rams in Colts territory once again, and we couldn't stop it. And then the two next drives, the the Colts actually stopped them on field goals both times. So, you know, that wasn't too terrible. But, and, you know, like I said, the, the Colts held the Rams to only three points in the second half. Uh, and then obviously the touchdown given up in overtime. but. The problem was, Drake, is everything about the defense was bad in this game. You gave up 103 yards to Kyron Williams. You gave up 47 yards to Ronnie Rivers. So the 34 carries for 153 yards, you were averaging almost four and a half yards a carry if you were the Rams. It just, the the Colts could just not stop them no matter what they tried. Uh, Although I will say, NFL reps, there was probably about six block in the back calls that I swear I see every time they ran a counter, but y'all won't call it. So I'm just saying that the NFL needs to launch an investigation into that officiating crew because that was terrible. But then, of course, when you look at the receiving, I mean, Nequoia, I mean, that dude might be the offensive rookie of the year right now. I mean, it, it might quite possibly could be. I mean, he has he has 52 receptions on the year and has, I think now what, like 400, 500 yards on the, on the year and only got his first touchdown against the Indianapolis Colts. But, I mean, again, it reminds me a lot, Drake, of the Jacksonville game. Outside of Nequoia and Higby, nobody else was really doing anything of noteworthy against the Indianapolis Colts, but we just couldn't stop them. And it just felt like no matter what happened in this game, the Colts just had no answer. 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Yeah, and the thing is, through the first half, the defensive pass rush was garbage against Matt Stafford. And the thing is, when you have, like, I know a lot of people were like, oh, Stafford, you know, he threw two pit, uh, two touchdowns, four interceptions through his first three games, and he can't run, you know, like the modern 2023 NFL quarterback. But here's the thing. I even said this on me and Andrew's show. I said, if he has time, Stafford's not Matt Ryan, okay? He's not Ben Roethlisberger in his last year. Stafford can still ball. And he's doing it with Tutu Atwell, a name that no one knew. And he's doing it with Puka Nakua, a name that no one gave, gave, gave a dang about. And this dude's out there freaking bawling with Matt Stafford. All I have to see is what's till he gets Cooper Cup back. And he's going to have Tutu Atwell. And he's going to have Puka Nakua and Tyler Higby and Kyron Williams. Stafford thrives when he has time. He's a pocket passer. He's the old school guy. And the thing is, when the Colts got him running, they were able to contain him. When he was able to sit back there and pick him apart, he diced him up like a freaking chef's knife. And he did that in the first the first half mostly. And the thing is, it was their inevitable downfall. I mean, Dallas Flowers actually had some pretty good pass breakups and plays. So did Kenny Moore. But the rest of the safeties, I mean, you know, they got – really exposed by Tyler Higby and, and Puka Nakua, who has shown that without Cooper Cup, he can be a star. So I, I think that it really comes down, Derek, at the end of the day, to the pass rush. They had been so good in those first three games. They put so much pressure on Lawrence and Stroud and Jackson to force miscues and bad throws. They didn't, they didn't do that against Stafford. You could tell Sean McVay was prepared for that defensive pass rush. I just don't, I don't understand is you and I kind of alluded to it at the very beginning. I mean, we saw in the second half, Matt Stafford could barely walk. I mean, the dude was, he couldn't run away from someone, even if he tried Drake, like you knew it, he was there. He had to be confined to the pocket. He couldn't run. It was impossible for Matt Stafford to get away from anyone that had him in his grasp. But yet somehow, some way, Gus Bradley sits there and says, "Oh, well, that's fine. We're just not gonna, we're just not gonna rush him anymore." I mean, it's just, it's so weird because I know Matt Stafford's never a scrambler, but like, you know, especially for a guy that is incapable of escaping, you don't 
seclude him to the spot where he thrives in the most. You run it down his neck. Like I was preaching at the end of that game, send six man coverage, tight coverage. And if you lose because your defense couldn't get to the quarterback within three seconds, every single time, then yes, you deserve to lose. But yet you just let Matt Stafford sit in the pocket hobbled, but still allowed him to sit in the pocket when you knew your defensive line was not getting pressure. I just don't, I know that that's a really, I know it's dumb to suggest that you should just blitz outright the whole time, but very rarely do you see a quarterback so obviously hobbled in that game. I mean, he was, he was holding his hip the whole time. He couldn't even do anything with his other hip. And yet somehow Gus Bradley's decision to, to in response to that is, no, I'm just not going to blitz him. I, I just don't understand Gus Bradley's in, inability to sit there and say, we're not getting pressure up front. We're just not going to continue to blitz. I don't understand it. Well, and that's, that's Matt. That, that's actually Matt Stafford's worst like part of his game is dealing with pressure up the middle and the Colts too. Uh, look, Quiddy Pay is having himself a year. So is Samson Ebicom and Dio Dangbo in this game specifically really had his coming out party. So that shows the Colts have depth with their defensive ends. Taven Bryant had two sacks going into this game from the defensive tackle position. The Colts have depth, but you really thought to yourself, look, we just got to get to Matt Stafford. The thing about Matt Stafford is, though, he's immobile. And the thing about the Colts' defense is that they allowed Stafford to have so much time that he could just sit back there and do what he does best, and that's pocket passing. So I agree 100% with you. Look, when you have a wounded animal, and this, I'm just going to go out right and say this. When you have a wounded animal, you go after the kill. In the NFL, if you have a pocket passer that – has his plant leg, his left leg, because Stafford's a, the only left-handed thrower in the NFL right now is Tua Togovailoa from the, the Dolphins. Yeah, Stafford is a right-handed guy. His plant leg, his left leg was hurt. So his throws are not going to be as powerful. So he's not going to throw that ball out quick and hit it on target. As soon as, like you said, he started hobbling around, that's when you bring the pain. And the Colts had one of the best defensive pass rushes going into this game. Give props to the Rams. They held it yes. well. They kept that pocket passer like Stafford, who's 36, 35, 36 years old, looking pretty good. I, th- I mean, he only took uh, he took two sacks for 16 yards, 27 for 40 for 319, a touchdown and a pick. So I'd say that the, the offensive line actually responded pretty well. But I'm a little sad that I didn't see more pressure on Matt Stafford and a little more, like you said, of an, of an aggressive mentality to take advantage of the fact that he was hobbling. He was throwing short all day. I, yeah, I just I, – I couldn't understand it. And it's it will forever be the downfall because the problem is, is Drake, I was watching it, and I mean, even at the end of this game, what? He was 27 of 40. So completed high sixties when it came to the passes. Um, I mean, I don't know if there's many other guys in the NFL that pick apart a zone defense better than Matt Stafford. And also like our form of zone defense, the way Matt Stafford does Matt Stafford kills the Colts 
every single time he plays us. It's the same thing with Derek Carr, which makes me concerned when we play the Saints late in October. I, I have a strong suspicion that the Colts are going to lose that game because Gus Bradley is stuck in his own way and he doesn't like to defer away from what he does. And it's it just angers me because you had no answer for Matt Stafford in this game. Your front seven couldn't generate pressure. You didn't bring the blitz. And yet still you thought to yourself that your zone defense was the best way to go forward in this game when Matt Stafford is picking you apart. He's picking you apart. And it. I know that obviously the defense is not void of this issue. Shaq Leonard has not been the same as what he once was. And he was out for a good chunk of this game because I don't know if they just thought he wasn't like if he just wasn't playing well or if there was a turn there was like an injury problem or what but then you had a couple other guys having issues and of course the players have to step up too because like we said this offensive line was banged up if their left tackle was missing and so be it. Samson and Bukum was getting held all game against that left tackle. They never called it. But at the end of the day, I mean, you as a defensive coordinator need to stop being so. You need to stop being so stubborn in your ways that your ways are what is ruining this game because you know that this quarterback is not getting pressured. And due to the fact that your D line's not getting pressure and you're not bringing blitzes and your way of playing defense is allowing that quarterback to just pick you apart, but yet you don't make the, you don't make the changes. I don't, I don't know what else there is to do here. Obviously in the second half, the defense did a little bit better job of slowing down the run and were able to get a hold of Matt Stafford a little bit more I think just due to the fact that Matt Stafford um, was so hobbled by the end of the game, like you said, that plant foot was so bad. A lot of his throws, especially that interception to uh, to Kenny Moore, he threw that ball way behind Tutu Atwell, which is very uncharacteristic. Good job by Kenny to close in on it. But, I mean, that was more Matt Stafford being the problem in the second half than your defense. So, I mean, that's just, that infuriates me that we just let him pick us apart until, until we just ultimately couldn't stop him anymore. Yeah. And I think that Kyron uh, Kyron Williams had 25 carries for 103 for two scores on the day. Rondé Rivers, the backup had nine carries for 47 yards. So together they had uh, 34 carries for 150 yards. I mean, that really probably helped a little bit with that. But like you said, In today's NFL, you don't have many remaining pocket passers. Matt Stafford is one of those guys. So like your Derek Carrs, like your Matt Staffords, the Colts run more of a zone defense. And when you have a pocket passer who zips the ball in, he's got good arm strength, short arm strength, and he can hit those balls accurate, zone defense is a, <laughs> is a quarterback's best friend if you if you don't get pressured. And that's where we were talking about the defensive front. They have to provide more of that upfront pressure between Stewart, between Buckner. But like you said, also the defensive backs and the linebackers, they got to cover better against pocket passers because 
Stafford really picked them apart. And when you're talking about zone coverage, Derek, you just got to find that soft spot. So if you have a linebacker in a corner, right there in zone, you have like the, the corner and the linebacker here, you have that soft spot right here in the middle. You have to sit there. You have to make sure that that's open. And if you have even a couple seconds, you can get that open. So I think that the Colts pass rush got exposed a little bit by the blocking scheme of the Rams. They were ready for it a little bit more than I think the Colts were prepared for. They were moving especially guys. Er, I mean, early on in the game. Yeah, especially. especially when they were trying to run the football. I mean, they were moving the guards, the tackles, the center. They were moving everybody. And it, it was weird because like at times you thought that we we had him in the backfield and then all of a sudden this that guard comes pulling and then just Kyron just gets that seven eight yard carry and it's just it was rough today yeah and between between both uh dealing with uh, the the more than expected efficient blocking of the Rams and Kyron Williams it, it was a little bit too much for the Colts to, ju- to adjust to early on. But, again, they're such a young team. They're even young defensively. Their secondary is so young. Their linebackers, I mean, two of them consist of guys that are under the age of like 28, 27 years of age, like Zaire and EJ Speed, who uh, EJ Speed had <laughs> maybe one of the more boneheaded plays of the season. But yeah. when you account for the entire game to come back from 23 down, Again, Colts fans, when you're watching this from from Bring the Juice, remember that there's reason to be optimistic. They fought. They didn't give up. They didn't pack it in. 23 down. They fought back at home, and they dang near won the game. If they don't let that up in overtime to Puka Nakua, they they win the game. So give them a little bit of credit, but you just can't get started so slow against a veteran play caller like Sean McVay and a veteran quarterback like Matt Stafford. I'll just say this, bro. I listened. I I love that Anthony Richardson is my quarterback now. But again, just I mean, just imagine once again. It, this was a Matt Stafford who back in 2021 offseason, the Colts were linked to the entire way. This close, two, man. Two years ago. This and close. Ballard let it slip through his fingers. And in that time, not only has uh, Stafford won a Super Bowl, but he's beaten you twice since then. So, I mean, it's again just goes to show you. I mean, the, the Colts, the it's a little Colts bit of a really sting, you know what I mean? Time letting Stafford slip and went and allowing Wentz to get here. That was a really bad slip up, bro. Really bad. And, and look, obviously, we, you know, we have our quarterback now, which is, which is fine. We all love that. But I mean, you know, and especially since we know what we're about to get with this upcoming QB draft class. I mean, even if you didn't want to pay Stafford going forward after this, I mean, you still could have went and got a quarterback this year. But um, it still it still reminds me once again, like how close the Colts were to having Stafford and where we might be if. But then again, if Stafford was uh, a QB for those years, I mean. Do we have a situation where Frank Reich is still uh, in Indianapolis right now? You know that. So that, I mean, that could have had a very big domino effect. Yeah, and look at the end of the day, Matt Stafford was this close to being to Indianapolis. In fact, I think they were the front runner until the Rams just kind of like undercut the entire league and they took yeah. Stafford out from un- from under everybody's nose. But look, at the end of the day. Anthony Richardson is tw- actually. I had his age pulled up. I was wrong. 
He's 21 until he turns 22 in May of 2024. This dude is so freaking young. Colts fans, please, three things with Richardson. Be excited, be supportive, and be patient. That last one's the biggest thing because I I even posted this out on X when they were down 23 to nothing. I said, Richardson's visibly upset. This was bound to happen. He was about. To, he was at some point going to hit that wall, that brick wall that bricks him against the side of his head. He did against the Rams, and he dang near won the game. Still, okay, so give this guy time. He's with a diverse play caller like Shane Steichen. You just have to be patient. If they get seven, eight wins, celebrate. If they get more, that's overshooting expectations. So just give these guys time, especially Anthony Richardson. He's so inexperienced. He just needs time. Yeah, absolutely correct. You know, just it's it's going to be another situation where, I mean, the the Colts, I, I think you and I both can sit here in a grant. Yes, we lost this one. It's another bad one at home. But I think you and I both can agree that with Richardson and Steichen, We've already seen enough through four games that tells you if things go on the current trajectory, the Colts are in good hands with the, this guy at quarterback and this guy at the helm of head coach. Because this team is aggressive. This team has its fight back. This team has something to work for. And that's all that we, that's what Colts fans have been desperately looking for for the past three years has just been the guy that can tell people that we have some hope and that's where we're at right now. And you know what? I mean, even through four weeks, I mean, how many Colts fans would have said that we would be two and two almost this close to being almost undefeated. I mean, there there was a Richardson playing the way that he is right now. I mean, there's, I, I don't think I would have, I don't think I would have, which, you know, again, we just coming off the loss. That sucks to say that, but Right now, I mean, I'm I'm happy with the direction that the Colts are heading, and I just hope they continue to get better. Well, and at the end of the day, Derek, it defend it really depends on how you viewed the season. You know, realistic expectations would have been five, six, seven, eight wins, and just it's all about Anthony Richardson's development and this super duper young team, which is third youngest in the NFL by average. I think they're 25 by average, and you're talking about 53 players. It's super young. You only have a couple guys that are 30. And that's the oldest age. So it really depends on how you had the expectations. If you were, you know, expecting a Super Bowl, well, that's on you. But if you were expecting a team to come off of four freaking wins, 12 losses, and a tie against the Texans, maybe you are a little happier. Okay. Richardson wasn't really projected to do this well at this point of the season. He's shown command over the offense, composure, ability to come back from a deficit. This is a dude who was throwing 53, 54% in the in NCAA, and he was coming into this game at 63%. He dipped a little bit for this one, but again, time, patience, let Steichen and Richardson connect as a quarterback and head coach duo. You just have to let this develop, and you know what? They're playing, in my humble opinion, above expectations so far. I'll just say it. Anthony Richardson uh, still completing 57% of his passes. I'll take it. 500 yards in three games and three touchdowns to one interception with a QB rating of an 85 and a half. It's not bad. It's not bad. It's going to get better. And that doesn't even include the rushing stats. I mean, it's crazy because he's on pace to have more uh, 
rushing touchdowns than he will passing touchdowns by the end of the year. I don't know if that's going to stand that way, but um, he's on pace to get 20 and 20 this year, which I mean, that would be pretty daggone good for a rookie quarterback that some people said was not ready for the NFL. So, you know, not too bad. No, and hey, at the end of the day, it's all it's all about his development as a pocket passer, you know, just as a passer overall, his mechanics, his fundamentals. The running is there. Colts fans, just please be patient with Anthony Richardson. It's going to take time, and I think that he has overshot expectations so far. You were down 23 to nothing at halftime. He almost got this team back to a win, minus a couple decisions from Shane Steichen and a missed field goal. You, me and Derek might be talking about a 3-1 and one record right here. Absolutely. But hey, listen, shout out to my guy, Drake, for coming on here, man. We've been trying to get him back on the pod for about a month now. Uh, Just seems like every opportunity that I try to get him on, he's always busy. Uh, He's a busy man. I understand completely. But uh, it's always good to have him on. Uh, Really needed his help with having a different perspective on this game. Uh, And then it's always good to talk with somebody about the different ways this game went down. But let me know your thoughts, guys, on this game. Uh, again, it's it's a rough one. It's a tough one to swallow. But at the end of the day, this is a young team. Take it with a grain of salt. We get a chance to go to Tennessee, take the win against the uh, against the Tennessee Titans. I don't – I'm not entirely sure, Drake, but um, if I'm not mistaken – I think there's a three-way tie for first place right now in the AFC South. And I I I and actually I think it might be all I I'm about to look that up real quick. Hold on, I'm going to look this up uh because I think all of these teams are two and two. Did the Jaguars beat anyone in the division? Uh, they Okay, so they beat the Colts week 1, they lost to the Texans. And they what lost. about the Titans? Who did the Titans lose to? Oh, here, hold on. So they just no, defeated. No, the they haven't played the Colts or and they haven't played anyone in the AFC South yet. So there is a three-way tie for first place right now between the Colts, the Jags, and the Texans because the Texans just won today. They beat the Jags, and the Jags obviously beat us, and we beat the Texans. So there's a three-way tie. The only reason the Titans are dead last, even though the same record, is because they haven't beaten an AFC South opponent yet. So that'd be a huge, huge thing for the Colts next week. If the Colts end up winning next week, then we will be back to being number one in the division because we will have the divisional record. So just food for thought, everyone. But again, let me know your thoughts on this, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, go Colts. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens. And that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com 